Welcome to Nobody's Muses. This is Rachel. We're so glad to have you back again. Hi, Crystal. Hi. I'm so happy to see you. I'm happy to see you, friend. It's it's always good that we have this appointment with each other every week to see each other and to talk. I know. I think we've seen each other more in 2023 than we did like <laughs> like for 10 years. <laughs> Probably so. Well, we are here to talk about um, track five of Daisy Jones and the Six, the Amazon original series based on the book by Taylor Jenkins Reid. And we are having so much fun and diving into this show and talking about all things Daisy Jones, all things music, all things the time period. So we are just super excited about it. Um, if you are listening to this podcast, hopefully you're either watching us on YouTube um, or you are listening on your favorite podcast stream, but you can find us there, Nobody's Muses. You can also check us out on Instagram, Nobody's Muses um, is our handle there on Instagram, and we would love to hear from you. You can email us at nobodysmuses at gmail.com, but please feel free to reach out if you have any thoughts, any ideas. Um, we would love to hear your take on anything and everything of that time period and of Daisy Jones and the Six. Yes, and we did, after begging and putting it out there, manifesting it, we did get, um, we got a comment on Instagram from Mary Beth, and we had a wonderful email from um, Caroline, or Carolyn, I'm going to go Caroline, and um, I'll probably be talking, bringing up a few things she's mentioned either in this episode or in later episodes, because um, she had some really great thoughts, and also want to thank Chris Fish for commenting on um, YouTube, and I would say one thing he said that filthy mcnasties is what is currently the viper room okay and um um i would also say we were talking about royalties and he brought up lennon mccartney which i also had brought up but i took it out because i thought we were going on too long of a tangent last (laughs) week about that so i was like no one needs to hear about all i know about the beatles so thank you chris for (laughs) for making me feel like i should trust my instincts that could be a (laughs) multi-part episode in and of itself so there we go um so, yes, so this episode is track five, Fire. I'm not sure which fire they're talking about. There's the disco fire, and then there's also the um, Bruce Springsteen pin song, um, Fire. So, not sure. Maybe, and there's probably another one. So, that would be great. If someone was to um, correct us on what fire it is, that would be great. Um, it's directed by um, Nora Kirkpatrick, who has a really interesting um, IMDb, if you want to check it out. I would say the big thing I noticed is that in 2020, she became the first woman to ever direct a campaign for Bud Light. Um, cool. But she's um, a writer, credited as a writer on this show, and she wrote episodes for The Office, The Office, and also Greek, which is a sh- uh, was a, um, a Freeform or ABC yeah, Family so. show. ABC Family, one of those. So, so overall thoughts. What do you think of this episode? I think we're at a great place as far as we know the first three episodes were released together. Episode three or track three was a big culmination. Um, and so now we're building up to another big point. And I think this is a great, you know, we're getting the story um, moving along and we're focusing in on what I think for those of us that are in this for the music, as much as we are in it for the story, I think we're focusing on the music in this episode, which is kind of cool. So yeah. I'm, a, I'm a fan. Yeah, I think it's really, um, well, I was thinking about it today. And one thing I really thought about was um, how this episode is basically the only people you see in it are the band and Teddy 
for a minute, you see um, Camila for a minute, and then you see Graham's, you know, girl, Olivia, for a little bit. But the big chunk of it is focused on Daisy and Billy in their, um, you know, at Teddy's house song, um, writing a song. And that's kind of, it's almost like a bottle episode, which is, you know, a TV term where they used it a lot in sitcoms whenever they'd run out of money or something. And so they would just basically write something that's just in one, um, one set. So a good example is there's a mad about you where they get stuck in the bathroom. I remember there's lots of stuck in the elevator episodes, those kinds of things. Or, and sometimes it would also be, we're stuck here, and then we're also going to put clips to memorize, so we really, because we really run out of money and ideas, so, <laughs> which, they don't do that so much now, because nobody has, not, you know, only a few places do, like, 26 episodes, like, you know, Abbott Elementary, or the traditional, NB, you know, broadcast shows, but even them, they're, you know, usually cutting it into two smaller into smaller things, so, yeah. I thought it was really, um, I thought it was really good, really written. Yeah really well and um was, i was really looking forward to talking to, about this one awesome let's go so we open up and we're getting the day started so we've got uh billy's alarm clock is going off and he is getting dressed and ready to go to partake in the new fad in the 70s called jogging <laughs> i was thinking exactly the same thing I think it's a long jag, jogging, no, jogging. So he's he, he's getting up and getting ready um, to kind of start the day. But they, I think they all know what what's coming for this day. But uh, Billy's out there choosing to uh, start it in a more positive note. We've got Roxy music playing as well, um, which is great. I love Roxy music. Oh, God, I love them. Um, love is the drug. So I think that's a great um, song to start off the episode with. Isn't that a weird, uh, like, when you hear that, you're like, wait, how is that in the 70s? You know, like, yeah, it's kind of weird how there's, like, you know how, like, a lot of times, like, this, like, the 80s didn't really end until, like, 92 or 93, you know, in a way, like, culturally, and then, but then it's also, like, things also start early, because you hear, like, Roxy music, and it's the mid-70s, but it's just straight up sounds so, like, what we define 80s music as. Well, and I would have all, I, I did not even realize that, I mean, as much as I love Roxy music, I didn't realize that they were around in the 70s. I all, I automatically apply them as being one of those great 80s bands that I listen to. So, obviously, I'm not as good of a fan as I thought I was, but, so what do you think about the concept? So, Billy's getting up and he's jogging. And so, and we know, you know, where he is, he's, he's, you know, fighting through staying sober. Do you think we have, um, he has exchanged one addiction for another? Absolutely. I mean, I think he's absolutely, I mean, I would call him and I mean, look, I'm not in recovery. I've been, I've, you know, (coughs) I've been around a lot of people in recovery and had very frank conversations with them, you know, was in a relationship with someone in recovery and my feeling is he's kind of a dry drunk and I think this will come, we'll talk about it even more is that he's, he's not drinking and doing drugs, but he's still, he's still that, um, he's still got that. And, you know, and I, I mean, their love is the drug. They are picking these songs to, to remind us that, you know, he, He's he's replaced that obsession and that stuff with like I'm going to be the very best father and I'm going to be so perfect, 
Mm-hmm. And that yeah. that's how he's he's de- dealing with it. Yeah, because again, he he went to this rehab, but we know that in the 70s, rehab did not look like we, we know rehab to be. It was probably just a period of time for him to go through the DTs and dry out and then come back into reality. So there was no real work probably done at the level that you would see in, you know, in therapy or in rehab today. So, yeah, he's kind of shifted. I, Do you yeah. think, I mean, because like they're not even talking about him going to meetings. No, he's not working. But again, you know. He just went, stopped drinking, and again, we, we we talk. he's replacing his addiction with something else, it seems to me, from the outside. So, everybody's starting to wake up. We got Daisy waking up at the Chateau Marmont. Um, there, she grabs a red glass of red wine. I'm like, whoa! Sip some, sip some evenings old red wine and realizes that there is somebody in bed with her that she probably didn't remember but she did get a wake-up call I mean, she scheduled the wake-up call for herself so that was pretty smart pretty i'm proud of her i'm proud yeah. of her there good for <laughs> you ti- daisy the guy asked what time is it and she said time for you to go buddy well i also just want to say the chateau mormont came up in a podcast i was listening to the other day it was called um off menu with james adcaster and ed gamble they're two british comedians and they had lily allen on there talking about sneaking out of the Chateau Marmont with because she was um, known to be bad about drinking and she snuck out with Lindsay Lohan to go partying <laughs> and I was like so even that was you know 2010 something like that she said because she's been she's been in recovery for a while but I was like oh there's yeah. Chateau Marmont again so I thought that was funny we go back to uh, Billy and coming in from his jog. Camilla's sitting there feeding Julia the baby, and um, and they're getting their day started as well. Um, he, I think he's dreading going to the studio, but um, knows that he has to do it. So she asks a question of him. She says, "What time do you, what time do you think you'll be home?" Is that the question? Yeah. Yeah. What time do you think you'll be home? And his response. Is if it goes well in time for dinner, if it doesn't, it's going to be a long night. Yeah. And then then we come back to Daisy, and she's leaving. She grabs a gift basket at the hotel pool. Well, first she grabs the bottle, and then she decides to grab the whole basket. Yeah. But I I think this is something about the way she was raised. I think there is still, we, we continue to see these glimpses of Daisy's being raised daisy being raised in privilege because this is the second time she's shown up somewhere and did not show up empty-handed yep. you know she sh- she shows up with some kind of gift for the host yeah. and so i think that shows us um kind of what again shows us kind of her privilege and what she was what she was bought up or brought up around so and it looks like she actually got there on time but you know she you know it's interesting how she's always in a cab because, you know, in the book, she's got her white Mustang or Thunderbird. She has a nice car. She had a Merce- I think she's a Mercedes. Mercedes, yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, maybe they're just um, trying well, to. She's, well, maybe she's high and. Yeah, that doesn't you know. stop anybody in the 70s. No. But they were trying to, maybe they, they did have the car in like the first couple. Well, remember she wrecked. Wait a second. I'm trying to remember where we're at as far as she had it in, in some of the early episodes because she yeah. had that sweet 380 SL yeah. um, convertible. 
so maybe she she, set it aside she gets there but immediately is you know pops a pill takes a swig of champagne (coughs) then the the big you know key comes on and it's november 9th 1975 so that's where we should also i would like to remark the car that billy was sitting in and waiting for her was a convertible mustang and it was super pretty yeah um super pretty car and he looked very flabbergasted when he he saw her step out. He kind of had that, oh, God, this is going to be a really long yeah. day. Because she immediately, again, like you said, popped out, uh, comes out of the cab with an open bottle of champagne, pops a pill, swigs it down, and grabs her fruit basket. <laughs> and here we are, 1975. Yeah. And then Daisy walks into the studio and says, I made breakfast with her basket. <laughs> and 1997, Karen says, we, we didn't really know what to expect. Can you and- imagine? No. And then as Daisy is walking in, Warren comments to Eddie about Daisy's legs and how they are distracting. And Karen gives her a welcoming hug. And while this is all going on, Warren's like, oh, you know, look at her legs. Um, You know, Daisy's no dummy. And she hears what she says. And so she goes to Warren and says, Warren, right? You know, it's not my job to not turn you on, right? And... (laughs) Once again, and Eddie's, the lines for Daisy. And, and, like, the best is Eddie's face there. I mean, Warren's like, well, I do now. And and Eddie was just like, what? I mean, it was very, it's a great line. And that is, I mean, in the book, Karen and Hirsch, they talk about they have a little, they both acknowledge that they both have, a, they have a conflict about that. Because Karen was very much, I'm going to wear turtlenecks. I'm not going to dress sexy. I, I want to be taken seriously as a musician. If I dress sexy like a girl, people aren't going to take me seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and I mean, that's a big part of, like, the comedy scene. You know, I've listened to com- com- women comedians talk about, especially, like, improv, that they felt like if they wanted, they, you know, they couldn't lean into the, the well, I like to dress cute thing. And, right. Um, and now they're like, you know, screw that. I'm going to wear I want. I don't want to just wear Converse and jeans. But that was yeah. very much, especially like our generation, the Tina Fey's, Amy Poehler's, like they, you know, it was like desexualize yourself. Well, yeah, we had to be one of the guys. Right. You right. know, we had, we to, had to go around going, I, I mainly get along with men. Most of my friends are men and say yeah. that stuff and not know how messed up that was. So... So then Billy gathers everybody together. Oh, Dad's going to give a speech. And he starts um, talking and he's, <laughs> and he said, you know, he's like, oh, and thank you for being here and doing this with us, Daisy. And it's very patronizing. Yeah. And it's very much, you're, let's make sure you're an outsider. Yeah. You're the guest here. Yeah. You're not a part of, even though they had all made the decision to have J- Daisy join the band, there was a conscious decision to have her join the band and yet we have to treat her you know we have to we have to treat her as though she's not a member she's a guest at this at this activity well yeah he's recording yeah he's trying to set the boundaries right now like i'm still the boss you might be here but i'm still the boss right and she immediately jumps in with her her red journal ready to start talking about song ideas and the rest of the band um, looks completely shocked. You well, know, whoever, and... who's gone up to who's gone up against Billy up to this point? It's always been, you know, the Dunn brothers 
or then it was the six, but Billy has always been in charge and there's not, and they've all gone along with it. You know, maybe they tried to buck up against it a couple of times, but Billy shut it down super quick all along. And so there comes a point where you stop asking because you know you're immediately going to get shut down and you just kind of like find ways to contribute silently, you know? And so I think they had all kind of grown accustomed to just trying to find ways to contribute silently and go along with the flow to get the job done. Um, but not Daisy. Yeah. And then 1997, Billy says the songs were all written and ready to go. And he actually says to her, and said, we, actually, we have 13 songs for the album. Why don't we play some of them for you? And if you feel strongly about them or want to add anything, that's what he gives her. And so she, 1997, Daisy, I mean, can you imagine can in 1997, imagine? Billy, I could not have been nicer. And we talk about the unreliable interview. Here we have the unreliable storyteller because, you know, yeah, the unreliable narrator because they each have their own version of what actually happened and yes. their perception of how the events went. And then there's the truth. And I think what's really fun about this and what gives it, like, why, even though I love the book, like, some, like, the TV show in some ways is giving us something different because there's, there's the two, there's these two narratives that we hear in the book from these two people. And then there's, we see what is the truth. Right. You know, and yeah. we see both, we see it like. Actually, you happened. know, yeah. So we can interpret, we can come up with our opinions on what truly happened. Instead of just relying upon two very unreliable narrators. Right. And <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, the next part is just cracks me up. She's talking about, oh, let's guess. Let's guess what your songs are about. They're about your wife and the rain. <laughs> and like literally the band like stops like they're playing freeze tag. They're like. What did she say? Yeah, and then <laughs> in 1997, Warren, uh, he just he just smiles. There's a shot of him smiling. In 1997, Eddie cracks up and says, "I think it was called She's the Storm." Seriously. And then Daisy um, says, "I'm not here to sing harmony on a bunch of love songs about your wife." And he. Like I feel like the he he's got a very good job at clinching and like the the veins in his neck just like show up and, and you know Sam Claflin with not eat I think we see this throughout this episode oh, yeah not saying a word but we can read every emotion in his physical self in his face in just his entire body he is acting without saying a single word in multiple scenes of this of this episode but yeah he was not not even um not even he was already tensing up and shutting down yeah and daisy says um i mean if we're in a band the album ha the album has to be just as much mine and just as much yours and just as much karen's graham's warren's and that guy's and she points <laughs> over at eddie she doesn't even she know his name like, splits her finger over there and is like and that guy <laughs> Poor, poor Eddie, the bass player. Then, they always kind of get forgotten. 1997, Eddie was like, she was saying things I'd been saying since 1969. 
So, and she continues, like, she's just, just kind of like she was last week when, or the week before, whenever they're talking about Honey Home, like, she just starts rattling off things. She says, shouldn't least we least to talk about a direction? Is there a concept? And then by opening this, then, then Karen, who I think, you know, Karen is brave and has been wanting to say things, you know, and she, and she, you know, Eddie, I mean, Billy kind of listens to her. And so she's like, you know, I'd like to help arrange some of the, you know, she has some ideas about arrangements, and then Eddie, he wants to, you know, do his own, um, Eddie talks about, um, this, well, usually you, you read it, Eddie says, um, oh, like, hold on, I gotta find this, um, <laughs> yeah, and he's like, I think, I think this should be a rock and roll record, like, some of the songs are sounding like pop songs, like, like Sonny and Cher shit, and like this during this time, like like <laughs> Graham's in the it. background going, going no, no, doing the throat <laughs> slash ix, yes. ixnay on that. But you know, I think what's in- interesting is she comes into this with this whole idea of are we going to talk about a concept? Do we have a direction? And she has never recorded before, right? Like when they did Honeycomb, look at us now. That was her first time in a recording studio. So she's already understanding coming into this, coming into this and probably naively thought that she was coming into something at ground zero and was going to be a part of building it up when it was already really established. And as Billy told her, they already had songs written. So we just needed her to insert herself on harmonies is basically all he was really looking for at that point. But that quickly, quickly took a left turn. Well, when, and it's just like, yeah, it's like, it. like the dominoes start falling. Cause then, you know, Eddie says rock and roll should be passion, pain, anger, sleeping with someone you don't know, not making sweet love to your wife. Um, no offense. And then everybody, <laughs> like everybody, like once he said that, everybody's like, you know, Karen's like, well, I think we could do this. And then, you know, Eddie wants to write his own bass parts. And, you know, during this whole time, you know, even Warren's like, yeah, yeah, he doesn't really say any lines because I don't know if he had any thoughts. But um, but then um, the whole time this is going on, though, Graham's not saying anything, but everybody well, else is talking all at once. He doesn't want to go up against his brother. I mean, that's his brother. But I do think that Daisy has given them all by stepping in here and very naively thinking she's going to have a part in developing this album. It was very I think it was a very naive approach. But she opened the door for the rest of them to feel comfortable in saying what they thought the album should look like and sound like and where they could where they could interject more into it and where they could impact the sound um, that they probably could have found ways to do it. Um, but again, it's that quiet, quiet way of kind of doing your own thing without having to go up against Billy. But Graham's still going to Graham's always going to go with the side of his brother, which is understandable. Well, and I don't know if it was naive of her to think that. I think when he said, I want you to join the band, he didn't say, I want you to be the vocalist in our band. And she'd already contributed on that song. So right. um, I think it's, um, you know, she doesn't know how to read the room. I think she didn't realize. And also, like, I'm wondering where all these songs or this album were written, you know, when, because, and. Like, the band seemed like they knew it, too. So, I don't know. I thought that was interesting. 
So, you know, they're all just da -da 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 talking, and then Teddy comes in. a whole lot of bickering going on. And Teddy's like, you guys are acting like a bunch of kindergartners. What are you doing? And he tells Billy and Daisy, get out of here and go write something. And he says, get the fuck out of here because I've got shit to do. And I would just say, maybe he should have had them go write some stuff before that. Before you book studio, very expensive studio time. Just saying. Um, I have notes. So. Teddy, I have notes. That's one. <laughs> um, but it's really funny because as he comes in and yells at everybody, it's kind of like whenever your brothers and sisters get in trouble and you get your way. And that's Daisy's got this grin on her face because she's one. Because right, because we're not going with the thirteen. Yeah, we're not right. automatically going with the thirteen. We're going to have to, to take some time and and write. And yeah. so she's she's getting she's going to have an impact. Yeah, she kind of gets her way. And then um, Eddie <laughs> says, "What about us?" And Teddy says, "I could, I could care, care less. less. I could care less." And I'm their poor, you know, those guys. I mean, I, I mean, look, I feel like Eddie has. If you're a person who holds a grudge and builds up grievances, he does kind of have some legit things. Sure. He really does. Yeah. You know. Um, he gets cast aside a lot. Yeah. And I mean, I'd still go back to, I don't think he was that bad. No, when he sang? No, I no. think he, no. I mean, I don't think he's Billy, but, you know. Anyway, so then we go to, we're outside of Sound City. Um, which is a shot that we see in the open and really cool iconic shot with the big sound city um, font. And then um, Billy says, where should we go? And she says, um, Apple Pan. And he's like, seriously, it's 10 in the morning. And she's like, I'm hungry. And I Why looked it up wanna, and that place is still around. At 10 o'clock in the morning. Why wouldn't you want to eat at 10 o'clock in the morning? Like maybe she hasn't had breakfast yet. I would always want to eat at 10 o'clock. I know. Maybe right? he but, was just he... thinking it was because it's like a burger place, maybe? maybe or maybe it's a place, it's like, or you only go at night, like at Waffle House. But you did research. Yeah, and, and you it's, found. it's still there. It's still, still open. There. Looks looks like it's pretty darn good. Excellent. So then they're in the car. and this Beautiful Mustang. Yeah, and <laughs> she turns on the radio. And I'm sorry, but you don't turn on somebody else's radio. No. Nope. The driver controls the controls. That is a rule. It is set in stone. It is documented. Yes. It is well-preserved rule that passengers do not control the stereo in the car. You yes. can ask, and you might be denied. Exactly. No, but don't. That is a, I hate that. That is a so, hard and fast rule. So, you know, she turns it on, he turns it off. She turns it on again, he turns it off. This goes on several times. And she what's says, the song we're hearing this entire time? <laughs> it's very Manilow's Could This Be, Could It Be Magic, which is, mm, it is, it's not, it is very cheesy. And it's very, I think, a good choice of song because, like, in a way, is what Billy has been writing very different from this. You know, yeah. Is it no? I mean, it could. We've, I mean, we've had the we've had these. She's we've already had these conversations about all these love songs. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So so they're arguing, and she says, "Well, it's a good song." And he's like, "What's well, my fucking car?" So 
you know, I re- respect to Billy. Respectability. On that one, yes, she was totally in the wrong. Yep. You won't so, change my mind on that one. So at Apple Pan, and I like it, it's this little tiny place with the big counters, and she orders two hickory burgers, fries, and a drink. And um, Billy's like, you don't need to order for me. And she said, good, I didn't. So then he orders the same thing. But that's just such a classic joke. There's a there it's in Mary, there's a Mary Tyler Moore where um they're at a bar and Lou orders two whiskeys and she's like, Oh, I don't really drink whiskey. Well, it's not for you. So you know or no, actually he says two whiskeys and she goes and then he's like, What are you having? That's what he does. That's I love that. And he says, Look, um, look, no good is going to come out of us fighting all the time. And then she says, how do you know that? No one ever stands up to you. Oh. And like, I, I, I think about that and I'm like, well, like think about like, has Camila even ever stood up to him? Really? Probably I mean, she not. set parameters. Yeah. You know, but definitely nobody in the band. I mean, Graham never has. And you know, Eddie, Eddie just likes to talk about it behind, a ba- behind, his, behind his back. Eddie's very seldom willing to just straight up say what he thinks. Or when he does, they just ignore him. Right, right. But to her point, she also, I think one of the things that she's talking about is when she says, how do you know that? There, you know, sometimes conflict, especially, you know, kind of a chemistry tension between two people, you know, that can create really great things. And I think if you think about really strong writing dynamics and music, I mean, if you want to go back and think of, you know, there's this comparison constantly between Fleetwood Mac and Daisy Jones and the Six, what the conflict and tension could have been at points between Buckingham and Nix as they were writing some of the things that they put together or just even anyone else because we know that during the rumors album it was not just about Buckingham it was not just about Lindsay Buckingham and Stevie Nicks's relationship falling apart there were other there were other members of the band at that time whose relationships were falling apart all, all of and, the relationships yes. John and Christine so, McVie Mick Fleetwood's so, wife was divorcing him yeah. yes so, so the tension you know Sometimes in that tension, you can you can get good stuff. But again, like she said, nobody ever stands up to you. But so I would can... all, and I would also say, maybe Billy, this is why you drank too much instead, because you never really faced conflicts. You know, you have to address those things. Well, and I think he talks about that later in this episode. Yeah. So he talks about that. So so she she's on a roll again. You know. She's... She's nonstop. She's nonstop at this episode. Like she is really making him uncomfortable at every turn with her dialogue because she's got no filter. And she was like, why are you so obsessed with your wife? What's the deal? Did you do something wrong? And he shuts her down. He's like, I'm not going to talk about that. But I mean, who says that? I mean, you know. Who would say that? I mean, that takes a lot of guts and a lot of balls to me to be able to be willing to have that conversation of just like, what is your deal? Like, why are you so obsessed with her? What did you, and, and her thought process was, what did you, you screwed up something. So what did yeah. you do? Yeah. And then as they're sitting there, he's like, I'm not going to talk about it. They start eating their burgers, which look delicious. And she's, um, Sumble on Sublime comes on 
and Daisy tell and she, you know he's like oh she's like do you like this song he's like yeah it's a great song and she's like I fucking wrote that song and he was like 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 the way you wrote Honeycomb and she's like yeah kind of and I came up with the I had the lyrics I kind of came up with the tune and he was like hmm and she's like do you really think Wyatt could have written that song so I thinking maybe he didn't have any other hits and right. so he sits there and he's listening and he's like he has he looks at her and he looks at her with a different with a different way like oh you know what I I, I haven't two things I think one I think he's like this honeycomb and the way she rewrote that is not a fluke she's got real talent because she wrote mm-hmm. this song that I do really like and two I understand why she another moment where he kind of understands who she is because this guy took her song and took credit for it yep and, and maybe like, that's why she was so mad at him you know last episode like whenever he was kind of dismissive of her contributions at uh, in that interview in Hawaii yeah so and and then he immediately I mean you see that change in him in his in his approach and he says well it's a fucking great song and what does Daisy say? Cool, man. Now that you dig it, can you stop being a dick all the time? <laughs> and, and I mean, I get it, you know, because again, we see this dynamic change in his, this, this a small shift and where he's like, oh, okay, she's got something. And it's like, okay, so now that you actually like something that I've done and you'll admit that you like this song, now you want to start being nice to me. So could you please stop being a dick to me now that you can see that I can actually write music? I can actually actually write lyrics. Could you just stop being a dick to me? Yeah. Is it too much to ask? So then we cut to kind of the other little storyline of this of this episode is yes. um is um Graham <laughs> Graham is waxing his surfboard. He's getting ready to go to the beach, and then Warren and Eddie are going to go see Rollerball again, a classic Rollerball with um, the. The great James Caan. 1975. A, yes, it's kind of a battle to the death kind of dystopian world kind of thing. I think I, I've seen it. Of roller derby. <laughs> yeah, it's like roller derby. Yeah. There was like, I used to kind of get these two confused in my head, which there's crazy, but Skate Town USA and um, um, <laughs> this. Skate Town USA is like gangs and stuff, right? <sighs> yeah. And it's, I, I, I yeah. Remember. But roll, and then roller, there's the other one, Renegades. All of those came oh, out kind of at the same time. Yeah, Renegades. We're, well, because Skate Town was um, Patrick Swayze. But he was in Renegades, too. Yeah. 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 So there was a whole there was a whole era of roller skating movies that we could probably do an entire episode <laughs> on. Because I could probably um, do some of the choreography from the roller skating but anyway, I'm, yeah, well, I'm getting totally well, off track. And definitely, ro- Rollerball is the original. It's 19 and 1975, and it is yeah. definitely the... It's the, like a um, Mad Max on skates. Yes, it says, in the not-too-distant future, wars will no longer exist, but there will be Rollerball. <laughs> God, can we get to that? Can we get to that point in time? I think didn't they? I think they tried to do a remake of this. I will bet you eventually there'll be one of the streaming services will do a series on it. You but know, can we not rebooting. just get to that point in time where we just like have dance offs or something instead of like arguing? Let's have a dance off anyway. That'd be great. So, <laughs> so, so, um, Karen's out there and she's like, "Oh, I'll go to the beach with you. Um, I've got nothing else to do." And Graham's like, "Okay." And then she, they're on the porch, and she kind of walks up to him. She's like, you know, 
um, are we good? And he goes, of course we are. We're great. And, um, and I'm going to talk about this more probably in another episode, but the, the music in the background while they're, while this is going on, this whole conversation and um, this these next couple of scenes is a song um, called Baby by Starchild. And um, there's not a whole lot about them. It's kind of like last week's Faustus, um, but they are um, a Texas band. So that's kind of cool. Um, from what I could tell, I think they're from Houston. Okay. So um, I'm going to have to do some additional digging on them. Because I like it. It's kind of a cool song. Yeah, it was. And so Graham's new girl, Olivia, shows up in a cute Volkswagen convertible. And, you know, Karen's not ready for this. She thought they were just going. So yeah, she's like, oh. she was taken by surprise. Oh, oh I just, I'll just stay. And he was like, come on, don't be weird. And he just looks so cute there. Oh, my gosh, so cute. And um, so, you know, Karen gets in with him. And um, then we cut back to... Um, and well, what, what do you think about this? Like, why do you think Karen decided to go? Um, I don't, I, I mean, I think she just went to go hang out. That's I what I think, think. I don't think her intentions was anything more than that. I think she went to hang out, but then when well, we'll just, we can Olivia, talk about... yeah, Olivia showed up being there and I, like, like we said, she wasn't prepared for that. So she didn't want to be a third will. Like she didn't want to infringe upon their date. Um, so I think that's why she kind of got, I probably would have. I would have too. I would have been like, Oh, I didn't know. I don't want to interrupt your date. Like, right. Exactly. And he's like, don't be weird. I just love it. (laughs) Don't be weird. That's so cute. So there we are. um, Daisy and Billy are outside of Teddy's house and he's like, whose house is this? And, and she says, what, you've never been here before. And he says, why do I feel like we're breaking the law? And she's like, it's not very rock and roll, Billy. And while she's doing this, she's looking for keys. Digging in the, digging in the rock. Uh, flower bed thing trying to find uh, the extra key which this house I need to do some research to find out like where this house is and like some history behind it because as you and I are both big fans of the mid-century modern era of architecture and stuff oh my god that house was so gorgeous oh everything about it every detail the cabinets the built-ins it was all just, pristine. again, they keep the aesthetic going. Yep. So, so Daisy finds the key and they walk in and she strides head straight for the bar and you hear Billy kind of scoff. He goes, oh. he does. And, and, and then as they're walking in, Billy finally realizes that it's Teddy's house. He yeah, sees, he's looking at all these pictures. He sees a photo of Billy with Chuck. I'm pretty sure it's Chuck Berry. Yeah, it's Chuck Berry. And um, I couldn't quite make out any of the other photos, but for sure Chuck I can Berry. Make out. And I mean, if you're Billy, I think I'd be a little hurt, you know, like, this is a guy who kind of says he loves me, he's he's my father figure, and this is my first time to be at his house. And um, so, I don't know, that would, I would get a little butt hurt about that. So Billy just, he's, you know, pulls out his guitar, he starts playing the first chords of Let Me Down Easy, and he's like, oh, this is a riff that um, Warren's been, I mean, not Warren, that Graham's been messing around with. He asks, like, what's your process? And it's really, I found it funny because it's almost like he's, again, where she's a guest in his process. So, you know, what is your process? Well, Billy, do you really have a process? Because let's, in the, in the show itself, 
Okay. In the show itself, we know the book is different, but in the show itself, we've had one, they've put out one album. The, the, the six put out an album. Okay. So acting like you're so well versed in this universe. Um, <laughs> it's just really kind of, he's kind of being an a-hole again. I'm just like, dude, you're, you're not some lauded long running songwriter. So to sit there and act so pretentious as to what is your process? How do you do this? Yeah. Shut up. Shut the fuck up, dude. Like <laughs> <laughs> God. So and she's like, you're looking at it. And, um, and then, you know, she's got her alcohol and she says, your wife says you don't drink anymore. And does this bother you? And, and he says, I, I it doesn't. And then she, he goes, I, um, I don't know how to write with anybody. He says, and he says, and she says, well, me neither. So he hands her his notebook and he says, at least look at it. They're not all about my wife. And she opens it up. And the first thing she does, and she gives him side eye and he, and, um, and, and, and he says, well, just give me that and we'll start something new. And then he yeah. looks at her notebook and, you know, this is also like, there's these, you know, that's like to make it more visually interesting. So there's just not two people sitting in chairs. Like he gets up and then he goes outside mm -hmm. and, you know, and he's like, I don't dig all that nature shit. And he's like, are these even lyrics? And he, you know, and she's like, it's a metaphor for feeling untethered. And he says, maybe you should say what you mean. Which is a valid yeah, point. Right. Actually say what you mean. Um, instead of, yeah, hiding behind all of the pretty metaphors that she's coming up with of kites and, yeah, you know. I mean, she wants to laugh at Billy and talk about how, you know, his songs are about his, the rain and his wife. Well, she's not doing any better with kites and right. all of that and stuff. And I would also say, because she immediately, you know, claps back and is like, well, I can say what I mean, and I think you're a shedhead. How's that? And now he smiles and laughs, but also, like, neither of them really want to hear, like, neither of them want notes. Like, let's face it, you know, they're both very defensive about their work. And I mean, come on, that's, you know, generally creative. And he actually says, though, she's like, you know, how's that? And he's like, well, that's better, actually. Like, at least you're being, you know. Yeah, at least you know, you're being direct. honest. Yeah. And being direct. Which, you know, she doesn't normally have a problem with being direct, but, um, no. but well, and I think it's more about, I think also it's, she's, I mean, Daisy really wants, you know, she wants people to, she wants, she wants to be given credit and to, for being smart and being something more than pretty. So, like, that's, to me, part of why she's probably using more lofty words and things like that is because she wants to, I'm smart. Look at right. me, I'm smart, I'm, you know. So he starts playing the riff again, and, you know, she says, hey, play that riff again. And so he's playing it over and over, and he closes his eyes. We just see him, she's out of frame, and then we hear the splash as she's in the pool. And and he's like, are we taking a break? And she's like, no, we're riding. And then there's this long close-up of Billy, and he's, like, scratching his ear and, you know, What's going on here? Like, what is he thinking? I mean, I feel like is, he's not mad. Well, I think he feels awkward that he is a married man and there's this young woman in her panties and a tank top with obviously no bra on swimming around in the water and that's making him very uncomfortable. Um, 
that was my first that was my first thought is that her doing that made him extremely uncomfortable as a married man so i don't know that that's the case but um but yeah i've you know i and i again we have somebody he has a process a way that he writes and she doesn't follow that and she's not going to follow that so he's having if he wants to do this he's going to have to bend a little with his process and adapt a little bit to um be able to have some kind of um cohesive you know relationship in in this time span we go back we kind of cut back to our other story you know of um warren or of graham and olivia at the beach and they're kind of hanging out um olivia's talking to karen and uh Car olivia says i think it's just really cool that you're like a woman and you're in a band and they start talking a little bit more and olivia you know karen's trying to find out like what she likes and you know what she's into and things like that and she's like oh i really like barry manilow well, also, I like, you know, look, I mean, I'm super, I can be very judgmental. I've tried to be a better person as I've gotten older. But when someone's like, I just like all kinds of music. Oh, really? <laughs> really? <laughs> just everything. I just like it all. And I'm but like, I oh. Do. I have a, I have musical ADHD. I, I, I get anything. it. But come on, you can't tell me. So, and then the the one you feel passionate enough to mention is Barry Manilow. Yeah, well, I, that right there. And I will, I will judge you for your musical taste. Oh, I, I mean, will too. I will totally judge people I mean, by I'm, their musical I'm taste. Straight, and, I'm straight up um, robbed from high fidelity when it comes to that. <laughs> but yeah, but if you're going to dig in, like, somebody asks you, like, what is your favorite band? And you come up and say Barry Manilow at that time period, I would completely judge you. Yes. I would completely judge you. I mean, I'm because... not saying I'm not going to be mean to you or not going to be your friend, but I am going to be like, no, yeah, but I'm going to have, I'm going to have some impressions about you. Yeah. That may I, not I'm going to completely be accurate. I'm going to tell you, like I read, I can tell you the equivalent, uh, like what kind what your favorite movie is. <laughs> that episode it's probably of... love story. <laughs> that episode of uh, the office where they're like p playing like desert Island and they talk about their favorite movies that they would take. And the one, um, uh, oh, Amy, I can't even remember her name now. She was just on there for a couple of episodes. She said, like, only blonde. And it just, yeah, they had already, yeah. it was, anyway, yeah, I, I watched I watched that. Um, and Karen says, you're pretty. Kind of. Super dismissive. Yeah, and, 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 and all of you goes, yeah, I was Miss Teen Arizona. And then, um, but she's like, well, you know, what do you do now? And she's like, oh, well, I'm going to um, UCLA. And um, I'm pre-med. So Karen has to kind of readjust her view of this yeah. woman. And she's pre-med psychiatry. <laughs> yeah, psychiatry. And, you know, and then Karen's like, you know, why, you know, why are you into Graham? And if, is or it like, is it the groupie? Is yeah, it the, is it the rock thing? and roll? Is it the rock and roll fantasy kind of thing? And, you know, Olivia's just really, you know, he's like, he's just a really nice guy. And that's true. I and Karen's like, okay. And then, and then Olivia goes, and he's sexy as hell. And Karen's like, is he? And as they start maybe going to talk about deep, dive deeper, dive deeper into that, um, um, Graham walks up and he's like, who wants to surf? And Olivia's like, I'm not getting in that dirty water. And Karen's like, I'll do it. So she decides to, um, 
to do that. And then, but do so, you think there's something about the fact that you know, she? I mean, we've already had his attempt to kiss her, and she kind of like rejected it. She's she's just not getting, or up until this point, she just doesn't seem to be getting the point that you know Warren is like a guy. Graham, Graham is. I mean, Graham is like a guy, and. He's, I mean, like she, I guess, just sees him like as her bandmate and doesn't see him separate as his own person and being like a, a man. But maybe now we're starting to. Yeah, I have some thoughts something. as we, well, I'll go into my thoughts more as we progress through this episode. Um, All right. So then we're back at Teddy's and um, Daisy, of course, Daisy, no boundaries. Somehow she's gone into Teddy's closet and gotten out a dress shirt. Um, and it, that is such a sexy look, though. She looks gorgeous. Um, um, and the he, oversized men's shirt. Yes. And shorts, oh, I know. yes. So pretty. And um, she's playing um, Ico Ico by the Dixie Cups. It's one of his records. And, you know, she's drinking, checking out his cars while Billy's, like, working, you know. So there are two different processes happening mm-hmm. here. And then Billy walks in and sees her dancing by the record player. And he looks at her and I don't think he knows what to think. I think, A, he's like, oh my God, she's sexy as hell. And then also like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this person? Because again, her process is not serious enough for him. Like she's, she's doing something, but it doesn't look like his process. So therefore it's not good enough. Like it's not sitting down. It's not strumming the guitar immediately. It's not getting out our notebooks. She is just in her own space, in her own way. And he doesn't have a whole lot of respect for that because it doesn't look like his process. Well, I mean, and I would say just, you know, and you can chip in on this on what you think, but I mean, a lot of people, their process for writing is more similar to Daisy's. Like um, a lot of, I've listened to a lot of people and read a lot about their creative process and like a lot of like the writers for Psych, the guy who's the head writer for Psych, he would make them all go on an afternoon walk. Like to to get ideas and he goes we would always solve our problems script problems on a walk Mm -hmm. and also um kevin mcdonald and dave foley that that's how they would um like that's usually when they would come up with their ideas is walking so getting up and stepping away from the problem usually Mm -hmm. can help you so i think that goes i think that that i could see that relating and i know for me and sometimes in other things that you're doing if you step away from it for a little bit and get some distance it can help you to work things out, process things, and get yourself back on track. Um, but that's not that's not Billy's process. So he really, really struggles with the fact that, um, you know, she is not doing things the same way that he's doing them. So she tells him this is the first album, the record that she ever bought. And then she's like, oh, I bet you bought something really cool. And he's like, no, I brought, how much is that doggy in the window? She starts naming off these bands, like the Everly Brothers, yeah. Fats Domino. And he's like, no, how much is that doggy in the window? So do you remember the first album you ever purchased with your own money? Okay, with, there's two, I would say there's two things. I don't know. One. So the first album you ever, like, remember listening to, listening to, listening to. And then the first album you remember well, purchasing with your own money. Okay, well, the first one that I, like, I picked it out for me. Right, Not yes. with my own money, but I picked it out was mm-hmm. Sesame Street Fever. Nice. Which was, 
<laughs> that was a great which, album. Which, you know, it's I loved it so much because I knew. Because Grover looked, was on the cover. It, it looks just like it. Looks, it looks just like the Saturday Night Fever album, except Grover's on the cover. Bert, Ernie, and um, Cookie Monster are the Bee Gees. And then the inside, it has the little dance moves, like shots, just kind of like um, John Travolta's. So that was the first one that I, um, like. That you wanted. Somebody got you that you wanted. Yes. And then when I was in fifth, no, sixth grade, I got a Gold Star Jam box. And with my own, like, money, money, um, I got Thriller, Michael Jackson's Thriller. And, Very um, good. And, I mean, I just had weird taste as a kid. Like, I listened to the Grease soundtrack a lot. I was, like, really oh, into soundtracks, like the Star Wars soundtrack. I mean, I mean, it wasn't really, like, in so much of my... Um, albums were like very much influenced by my brother and sister. So like, right. I knew all the words to Foreigner Four. That mm-hmm. I know all those songs. I know Billy Joel's The Stranger, like um, Donna Summers, the one that has Bad Girls. Like, yep. I, but I didn't really pick any of those out myself. They were just yeah, they were their albums, right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah totally. Yeah, Thriller was was mine. That yeah, was mine. that you purchased. Yeah. So I remember the first album that I got that somebody I, I probably got it as like a Christmas present was um sean cassidy so it wasn't the first album do run run it was the second album the white cover and he's like in the white cardigan um i can't remember i can't remember the name of that one and that was like first grade i remember that vividly it was first grade and then the first album i can remember purchasing like i'd gotten birthday money or something i want to say was um it was the Sticks album, Paradise. Of course. Paradise Theater, or it wasn't Illusions, because Illusions came before that, but it was the big double album with um, Too Much Time on My Hands. God, why don't I remember the name of that now as I'm sitting here? But that that big, I mean, and I had to save up some serious birthday money to purchase that. But I remember I had gotten enough birthday money that I, like, purchased that album, and then I purchased, like, Loverboy and ZZ Top. Like all of those, but like you, I had music in the household, but it was all, yeah, it belonged to my older sister and yeah, but I, but I definitely listened to it all. So soundtracks were a big player. Also the urban oh, cowboy the star. I had this, I, I'm not, the star flight. Um, it was like a kind of like a K-Tel thing. And we had I, all the K-Tels. Like I had the Starflight and I loved it. And it had like Dr. Hook. It had um, pop music like that one. I, I loved that album. And it, it is so scratched out because we listened to that all the time. I can remember my grandparents had an RV and we used to do RV trips with them in the summer. And the K-Tel eight tracks were a huge player on our road trips. And we took a road trip one summer that we went from Texas to Canada and back in an RV, six weeks. And the KTEL, the KTEL, um, KTEL and like Waylon Jennings were, yep. you know, big players on that trip, on that road trip. God, I love a KTEL album. So there, um, she switches the song. Uh, or she asks him, oh wait, she asks him to play. Yeah, she asks him to grab a record. And so he grabs, oh, he grabs a great one. He grabs um, Beach Boys in my room. It's a great song. Great, great song. And so. And he talks about this is the first song that I really loved. Yeah. That I really listened to the lyrics and I loved. That spoke, yeah, at a deeper level. 
at a deeper level. So she tries to get him to dance. She's like trying to get him to relax your shoulders. And he is super uncomfortable um, and super stiff. Trying She's to get like, him to you sing want to along. sing along? Yeah. And, and he it, just, he was not having it. He and was she, not comfortable. She, and she goes, she says something really good here. She, we, we don't have to be friends, but if we are going to ride together, we can't be strangers. Absolutely. And she says, ask me anything. How many, and he says, how many pills do you take in a day? And she's like, really? That's the question? And he's like, well, you said anything. And she goes, I don't know. And he's like, but you said you'd answer. And she's like, I really, I don't know. Yeah. And, you know, and he's, you know, she goes, I get them from a doctor. And he's like, do you think that that might be a problem? And she's like, no, I can throw these away right now. And so they show the next shot of her throwing them away. Then she lights something. Yeah, and then they come back to the room, and she's holding something. And she's holding it this weird, like, she's not holding it like a joint, but she's not holding like a cigarette. She's kind of she's doing like this weird, I don't know. I like, don't know. It was. It's just very strange. Like, this Mine is how you hold a joint. You hold a joint like you're, you know, squishing a head. And then you're, you, you know, you. the other is like, you know, your two fingers together. And I don't, the... She but like Bill, but like Billy kind of does the whole they're cup both over. Doing his, weird. Billy does the whole cup his hand over his cigarette. I don't know what that was about he, too. I'm like, yeah, you guys... he's like he's he's hiding it or he's afraid that it's gonna blow out. I've seen people do that. I mean, but the way that she sp- was holding that, it was bothering was, me. It was well, and I'm gonna say I made the assumption that she was smoking weed because she was not holding it like a cigarette in any way, shape, or form, and she really wasn't holding it like she was smoking a joint either. But I just make the assumption. That she was smoking a joint. That's just I mean, going to be my sense. It is kind of weird. Why do we smoke a joint like this way? And then why do we smoke, you know, it's not, this is not very good for the audio. But why do we smoke? Like, why is it, you have to smoke a cigarette between the two fingers, the two, you know, the index and third finger, but then you smoke with the thumb and the. Well, maybe because like the cigarette has like a filter and it's a little more formed. Yeah, and, like, true. Like it, it's more solid, whereas like a joint, you know. Depending upon who rolls it, you never know what it's going to turn out like. I think there's a bit, and I think it's in, it's either a comic or there's a, a bit in a movie where somebody talks about, like, you know, like, um, movie villains always smoke cigarettes weird. They're, like, between their fourth fingers or, like, or, you know, twisted all around. I don't know. I, that's what I was going to think. Are they movie villains? Yeah, um, but I think she was smoking a joint. So she throws the pills away. And he comes back in the room and she's smoking her weird cigarette and they're back at the record player. And so Billy asks her why she wanted to be in the band. And we've got another good song playing. Yeah, she's they're playing um, Cornelius Brothers, It's Too Late to Turn Back Now. Cornelius Brothers and Sister Rose. And I mean, pretty Great good song. line, or even just the first line of that. And um, and she says, you know, she says, you... I feel like I know you like we've known each other a long time. And like at this point they're standing, he's like halfway across the room from her. Like he's, and it's a big room. It's very, they're sitting very um, far But she wholeheartedly, she very quickly and easily said and easily responded to that. When he said, why did you want to join the band? Without hesitation, she said you. Well, and you know what I think is interesting? She didn't say your talent Nope. She didn't say, oh, I feel like we could write great music together. Like, 
that's not what she said. No, nope, she said you. And, like, he looks scared. Yeah. Yep. Because that, that, that to me holds a lot of pressure. When the sole reason is simply one individual, that holds a lot of pressure. Um, and you can see, I mean, he is just so tense through all of this. She says, one more, or it's my turn. And then he asks her, how did you really cut her hand? And she's like, oh, I really did. I broke into my parents' house. And then she told him a full story that they had moved away. Without telling her. And and, and so he's sitting down on the fireplace now, man, um, you know. And then she comes and sits, and he's like, that's um, that's the saddest and he goes, like, I think it's where they say each other's name a lot. They're like, I don't go now, Rachel, you know, and there's a lot of them saying each other's names in this. Um, I noticed it earlier in this episode. And he's like, Jesus, Daisy, that may be the saddest funky thing I ever heard. And she says, well, Billy, life is full of a lot of sad things. And when I'm sad, I take pills. What do you do? And she sits down next to him. So now they're next to each other. So, like, they're, like, this... They're revealing things to themselves, and they're physically coming together closer. And she, he says, that's what I used to do. And she goes, well, what do you do now? And she goes, he goes, I guess I just feel it. And she goes, well, that's the saddest thing I have ever heard. And then she kind of has this moment, and she realizes this is a big deal. I think she says, you write songs about who you wish you were, not who you are. What if you didn't do that? What if you wrote songs about the guy who isn't good all the time, the guy who lets people down, the guy who maybe wants things that he shouldn't? And Billy says, who would want to hear about that? And and who would want to hear a song about that? Who would want to hear that? And she says, I would, everybody would. And she's spot on. Yes. She's spot on. Because well, I mean, it's really scary how well she knows him. Yeah, because, uh, well, I mean, but think about music and the way, you know, again, not everybody is like you and I, but again, the emotional connection that we get with music, the emotional connection that we get to songs, we get there through, yes, the music itself, but we also get there through the lyrics and we have to be able to relate to those lyrics. And, you know, it's great to have these to have a pop song that makes you happy, but there is something to be said for a song that can immediate. I don't know. For me, there's something to be said for a song that can gut me and bring out that kind of emotion. You know, it's kind of like a book too. Like I like to read books that have happy endings and things like that. But if there is something in a book that can make me connect emotionally with characters, um, that to me, I don't know. Sometimes you just need an ugly cry. <laughs> Sometimes you just need an ugly cry and certain songs will allow me to do that. So, yeah. But, yeah, she's getting to know exactly who he is and that scares him that he sees that. Um, so, okay, now we're going to flip and we're going to go back to Graham and Karen, right? So... So Karen Where are is, they? They're, they're out oh. in the ocean. Uh, oh, they're out in the ocean. That's right. They're out in the ocean. And I'm, I was trying to figure out how they shot some of that. 
Um, so she's kind of, she's kind of nagging Olivia, like, oh, she's nice, and, and Graham's like, well, you know, she's like, well, what do you guys talk about? And Graham's like, well, don't be like that. And she's like, no, I, I just really want to know. And no, she didn't really want to know. Yeah. She wanted to be judgy. And he was like, um, you know, he's like, she goes, you know, she's a big Barry Manilow fan. And he, he like, he's shook. That shook him. Like, he did, he's that, like, oh, no. That almost ended it right there for him. Yeah. And, but then he goes, I love that he did this. Well, we don't do a lot of talking. And then she's like, oh, okay. And he's like, you know, because of all the sex we're having. And I'm like, good for you, Graham. So then we cut back to Daisy and Billy and this, this really nice mo- montage of them writing, working together, talking about things. And um, then we Going get back this, and forth in the lyrics. That um, doesn't I, work. I think, yeah. There's just this process that organically, you know, organically comes around um and starts pulling together as they get through this in 1997 daisy she goes we went back and forth on it for hours and she looks she looks at that she's looking back at that memory very fondly very fondly yeah And, and then 1997 billy um it's quite a feeling when it works and then back to her, 1997, smiling, and she kind of, she sighs, and then we go back to Billy, and he has this kind of face, and then it kind of just, uh, a wipe almost on his face to happy, and then pain. Yeah. Or, yeah, pain, or, uh, pain, or like he's putting up that mask again to the narrator. To not I think totally. A little bit of both. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we go back to Graham and Karen and Livia, and they're talking about Barry Manilow. And Graham says he didn't even write the song because they're talking about um, I write the songs. And I'm going to be honest, I didn't know that. I thought Barry Manilow wrote that song. But you know who wrote that song? I looked it up, but tell me. Bruce Johnson from the Beach Boys wrote that song. Oh, how funny. I know, right? But that is kind of funny that, you know, you're singing about, I write the songs that make the whole world sing. And you didn't even fucking write the song, dude. I mean, but is it maybe better for him to do that? Because it's not like, you know, sometimes like, I feel like Billy Joel and Piano Man, like, I'm like, okay, dude. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> we get it. You get you're it. from New York and you play the piano. <laughs> we get it. So... But they're giving Olivia a hard time, and they're like, well, why do you like it? And she's like, I just do. I just like it. And she goes, um, isn't that the point of pop music? It's isn't it's not supposed to um, change your life? And they they kind of are like, oh, they don't, they just don't, like, I think they kind of agree with her because it is pop music, but, you know, it's but kind of But they don't want like to write pop music. Right. They don't want to write pop music. Right. And yeah, pop music is just supposed to make you happy. They're not looking to write music to just make people happy. Yeah. So that's not what they want to do with their band. So they get back to their house and they're like, where are Warren and Eddie? I mean, it's like, how many times can you see rollerball in one day? (laughs) And then there's this whole little thing where Karen's like, walk me back to the house. And Graham's like, why? And she's just like, walk me back in. And, you know, and, and Olivia's like, yeah, just walk her back in. And then there's been a um, lot of break ins around here. As soon as they walk in, she just, you know, grabs him and pounces on him and pounces on him. And you know what? I don't I don't think this is a good look for Karen. No. 
So I'm gonna. I have two things that I have. When it, I was gonna, I'll bring up right here. One, I think. I would just say this is a little bit from personal experience that there was someone that I wasn't that didn't look at like that, that. And then when I saw them with someone else, I was like, maybe I should have looked at them like that. So I yeah. think maybe that's a little bit of Karen. Yeah, I, I totally I, agree with that. You know, like, that, where again, because like, I just back. remember being really irrationally disliking that girl because she was with somebody that I hadn't really thought of till then, you know. Mm -hmm. But yeah, but we think about the conversation on the beach and how, you know, it's like, well, he's a really nice guy. And it's like Karen's finding out these things about Graham for the very first time. Well, he's a really nice guy. And oh, he's totally sexy. And, you know, she's like realizing things about this person who's been by her side all this time who tried to connect with her and she pushed away but now that she sees him with another girl now she thinks he's attractive that yeah that's not a that's not a good look yeah i mean i get it like because i've been there but i also would just say that's a really shitty way to treat olivia like you know what Literally you could let her, her have driveway. her little thing and then later said hey you know what i you know i have feelings for you like like, just to leave her out there, I was just like, that is just yeah, not Yeah, you could have much. gone out to the car and told her goodbye and come back in the house. That was and, just, yeah, yeah, I don't it, like it, and it pissed me off, kind of, because it made me think less of Karen, because I think, I mean, and I know it's just a TV show, but, like, that's just mean. Like, I wouldn't have, I would never do that to somebody, even if I really didn't like the, even if she was, like, the worst. Like, if she was, like, you know, um, John Ralphio's sister on Parks and Rec, you know, like something like, like with an, or Janet from, on Friends. Yeah. Like, yeah, Mona Lisa, but like, but she was not, she was a nice person. She but he could have better. taken 90 seconds to go out to the car and say, Hey, you know what? I think I'm just going to go ahead and call it a night. I'm tired. I'm going to grab my board. I'll kiss her goodnight. I'll talk to you later. Yeah. Okay. I just, and it does, I mean, I don't know. Like I have mixed feelings about it because I do feel like, you know, so now you're interested in him. Okay. And I would just say, you know, I don't know. It's just not great. So then we're back to Daisy and Billy and they're writing and she, she's like, why are we saying it there? What's it? And he, and she goes, maybe she, and he, he explains and she goes, I think it should be us. And he, and he, and they're just kind of laughing. He goes, oh yeah, us, us. I love us. And he kind of laughs and then gets scared for a second. I felt like, mm -hmm. and, um, and she's like, oh, that sounds like a song. They're making all this progress. It's great. And then she says, I forget what he says, but she says, um, oh, because they're arguing about another lyric. And she goes, well, we aren't writing a song about being hopeful. We're writing a song about why we do things that are bad for us and why we keep doing them, even though we know it's hopeless. And she goes, and she goes, you can argue with me all you want, but you know I'm going to win. He basically, you know, they've already yeah. established that relationship. And it's really this fun interplay and then he says, Man, and he's kind he of, just, oh, he like not, this is, this was rough. This was rough. This was rough. Cause he said, man, somebody really did a number on you. I was wrong about you. I never thought you were so broken. I, I don't need somebody telling me that. Look, you know, you know, she, she, he gives, she gives it out, you know, why, you know, all the things that she says to him earlier. I know, but ouch. No, ouch is true. Ouch. But I think she doesn't understand, like, 
well, as we go on, we'll see. And she but storms she, out of the room. She she did re- not like, like her being... face just falls. Yes. And I mean, it, like the idea of being broken is yeah. pretty pretty sad. And she goes out to Teddy's garage, which mm-hmm. reminds me of you know um, Jay Leno's garage. <laughs> I'm just teasing. <laughs> and um, and it looks yeah. I wish I knew all the different cars. I don't know enough about cars to. I know. I particularly I wanted to know what the the red car they were sitting in. Yeah, if anybody was. knows that our of our of our three commenters, if they can tell us, it would be or, really cool. I'll go back and watch the scene again. I'm going to manifest that. it that we're going to have yeah, ten somebody, comments send us next an email. week. Send us an email. Nobody's muses at gmail dot com. Yeah, let us on. know what the cars were in Teddy's garage. We'd like to know. Um, he comes back. He follows her there, and he's like, you know, sits down, and it also kind of reminds me of um, sixteen candles when they're sitting in the car. Um, yes, but doesn't so, he kind of walk through the house first looking yeah, for Yeah, he looks for her. He looks for yeah. her. He's looking we for her in the house, and he gets out to the garage and finds her. Yeah, and he says, I'm sorry. Um, we're more alike than we thought. My dad left without a forwarding address. He says he was eight, and Caroline pointed this out for me. She Because he says he's eight, and then that, uh, that Graham is Graham. four. Why do mm-hmm. we keep doing that? Graham is four, so there's a four-year difference. So thank you, Caroline, for pointing that out. Um, and he says, I try not to think about him too much, but I'm pretty sure everything I do is to try to make him regret it. I, I, can, um, I can appreciate that attitude. I can appreciate the attitude of, okay, just watch. I'm going to do things in spite I'm going to do things in spite of what you did to prove you wrong. I, I can I can relate to that. What about, you know, let's look at Daisy. What is Daisy? Daisy is, you know, this from the beginning has wanted someone to tell her she's talented, someone to give her credit, mm-hmm. goes back to her, her, her family. Yeah. You know, and I would, another thing that Caroline pointed out is that um, when, in the first episode, when Daisy's mother is reading her lyrics... Um, you know, she's her parents have given her no direction in life. They didn't encourage her to go to college. She's not working, so you know she didn't have any direction until she started writing lyrics. Mm. You know, which I'm sure her mom, you know, she, her mom is a model, so that your career as a model, especially even back then, is very small. Right. So, like, what did her mom have as any kind of direction in life? You know, Daisy tells him, well, I'm not broken. And Billy says, me neither. But the whole time that he's sitting there and talking to her in the car, the first shot, she's turned away and she stays turned away. But you can see a tear in the corner of her eye. And she cannot look at him when he is going through and recounting the fact that, you know, my dad left with no forwarding address. And the, and the whole thing of, of, you know, I try not to think about him that much. But I'm pretty sure that everything I do is to make him regret it. And you can, I mean, there is, she is completely turned away from him during this entire conversation. Because I, she, she is facing a truth that she does not want to face. And she can say that she's not broken. But the reality is she is very much a broken person. And Billy is trying to find that way to connect with her. So that she knows she's not alone. Because she now has this band. She has this family. And Camilla told her, we take care of our family. 
And I feel like Billy's trying to connect with her and show her that she has these people now. Um, but yeah, she comes back and she says, I'm not broken. And his response was me neither. We're going to, we're going to keep up this lie. Okay. We'll keep up this lie. Is that what you thought? I mean, I thought yeah, it was, like, I, mean, I thought it was a sarcastic me neither. Well, no, I think maybe, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Maybe not sarcastic, but no. you know, but you know what I mean? Like, like I'm just gonna, I'm gonna let you, yeah, we'll, we'll continue. I'm gonna let this. you continue this fantasy. I'm gonna yes, let you absolutely. continue this fantasy that you're not broken. I'm not broken either. We're two really put together. Yeah. Great people. Really, yeah. Yeah. So Teddy comes home because <laughs> they're, they're sitting in the garage and Teddy's red convertible. The garage door comes up and Teddy is there um, in his, in another car with, um, I'm going to assume his wife. And his, how in the hell did you get in my house? She says, the, the door. <laughs> Duh. Duh, Duh, Teddy. All right, so we we flip back over to Karen and Graham. Making out on the couch. So Still, my question is, okay. did they do it? And then she put her her um, her monokini back on? Or did they not ever actually get to or the did, doing or they it? Just, or are they just dry humping? Maybe. I don't know if they actually got to the doing it part, but there was a heavy makeout session that was continuing on the couch. And then. I mean, she was pulling pants off and they were headed toward the bedroom. And then I'm like, really? You're putting the monokini back on? <laughs> Good point. Good point. But they, yeah, they put clothes back on. But yeah, you're right. Why would I go back and put that whole thing on? Just throw a t shirt on. <laughs> Valid point. Very good point. Okay, but Warren and Eddie walk back in with their popcorn from the movie theater. That, that also cracked me up because of like, when have you ever brought the popcorn home from the movie theater? <laughs> well, and it's the little tiny no. 1970s size bag, not like the not giant, the giant gallon, you know, yes. barrel that we get now yes. at the at the movie theater. But, um, yeah, no, um, but it, 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 it added something cause he was just snacking on the popcorn walking oh, yeah. in and they're trying yeah. to like write their clothes up and yeah. maybe hide a boner. I don't know. But they're oh, trying and to, the like... phone is ringing as they are coming in. <laughs> like, and I love how they're like, well, they don't answer. And so Eddie answers it. And, um, from, you can tell from that side of the conversation that it's Teddy and he wants them to come in Very uh, back serious. to the studio. So. Okay. Sure. I understand. We're on our way. And so we're heading back to the studio. And then Daisy and Billy, they are back at Sound City. Daisy and Billy, you can hear them. You don't really see them, but you hear them laughing and chatting. Chatting it up and, like they're old friends. And then the, everybody comes in. And it's really cute because they were like, hey, what's up? And they were like, hey, you know that riff? They go to Graham, you know that riff? And and he's like, yeah. He, he's like, you wrote something to it, and he looks so happy, and they just look so. And they're and they're also like, kind of like, what has happened here? Now they're well, friends and laughing. They walked in like it was almost like they caught him. Yes. Like, like they yes. just they had just caught Graham and Karen almost. Yes. They yes. have this look about them like, what did we just walk in on? Did we just catch on catch something? Because there's a little bit of something going on there, and and I think Graham kind of picks up on it. Yes. Um, that, yeah, yeah. They're not really sure what the, to. The, the uh, vibe the, has definitely changed. Yeah. They're not really sure what to think of it. So we have 1997 Karen 
and Kara, and she says it was the first time they truly wrote together. Yeah. And, War- and Warren says it's still one of my favorites. Karen goes back and says, I remember having this feeling like nothing would ever be the same. And I don't think she was just talking about the song. I think she no. was also talking about. And then, <laughs> and then, um, poor sweet little Graham. It was a really great day. He's, he's so sweet there. He just looks, yes. 1997 really Graham. It was a really great day. And then, um, Billy and them are kind of chatting up about what they're about to do and he kind of he kind of lets Eddie like he encourages it to kind of like do your you know they're going over like what keys thing or things are in and stuff like that and then he just kind of says you know do your thing Eddie and which is yeah and Eddie looks really shocked like, so happy and excited yeah and then they get into it and they start playing let me down easy which is a great song um, yeah. you know, not one that was a part of the book. It was written by Blake Mills and Zeberg and Zeberg, um, she had a band called the like, and then she's done some solo stuff. And I actually was like, Oh, I wish I had known about her. I, I realized that I don't know enough about new music and, um, she was just really talented. And, um, so they wrote it together and, um, like Sam Claflin and Riley actually went and watched as Blake and Zeberg were writing um, to see their process, and and it was really inspirational. There's a really great L article, and I'll link we'll we'll link to it in the notes on the podcast and in the um, in on the YouTube comments about them writing the process for writing this. And, um, like the idea, like the whole part of the it versus us, they, that was an actual conversation that happened in the, um, with Blake Mills and Zberg. And Super so, cool. Yeah. I love so, how they brought that into the show. That makes it even better. Yeah. But the, the, the way that the scene is shot, they used a, a steady cam, and it was, it just all seemed like it was one, you know, one take. And I still, I go back to and continue to be amazed at, we have, you know, people that dabbled a little bit. And I mean, if you, if you look at, you know, Sebastian, um, who plays Warren, he had been playing drums for a while. Um, you know, so, so your, you know, your drums, your bass and your guitar, those were all, they, those guys came into the show having played music. Um, but still to see them like in the studio and playing as they're recording this, I just thought was super cool. And it, again, the, the way it was shot with the steady cam, it just looked like it was all one giant take. Yeah. They're like lots of long shots. There's, there's several cuts in it, but they do a really good job. Like, you know, they cut to Teddy. They have a really great shot of where they kind of show um, Graham playing guitar. Then he looks over at Karen and she's smiling and, you know, it's just, and, you know, it's just like this great buildup, really great, you know, they, they know how to end an episode on this. So, and, um, you know, and I think we, we'll do a little more deep dive into the lyrics later because we're already, of course, way too long. But, <laughs> but we have 1997, Eddie saying it left, the, it left room for everybody to contribute. Daisy did that for us, which we talked about earlier. And then we have 1997 Karen saying it was obvious that they made each other better until, of course, they didn't. 
dun, dun, dun. Right. And so then they get done with the song and they're like, um, it's like, you know, and, and Teddy's like, that's the take, you know, this is good. And um, Daisy hugs Billy and um, we kind of get kind of slows down and you see, um, see her like just really jo- pure joy and you mm-hmm. see him looking troubled and then kind of smiling and there's like definitely there's struggle there's that internal struggle for him and then you see graham kind of like he sees it he sees it he sees it and he notices it and i think i think he's genuinely in that fleeing second that you see him i see his concern for what's about to happen and then there's teddy yeah i'm a motherfucking genius (laughs) and then uh and then we see Billy, he comes home to Camila, and she's like, oh, I'm sorry you had to stay so late. And he doesn't really say anything, and then he immediately, and I... I so um, you had I, notes, you had and notes and an opinion on this, and I think I have a differing opinion on this. I, I inelegantly say that he's trying to fuck the pain away. I think he's trying to be like, I am going to um, have sex with my wife so that I don't think about the woman that I spent all day with. And I get that. But then I also think from the side of he has so much adrenaline and energy in him that he needs that even after singing the song and getting the take and it was perfect and they left, he is still on this high and he is hyped up and he needs a release. And so he finds that release in Camilla. But I mean, I think either either one could work. Yeah. Yeah. It It was a pretty good scene. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like, you know, and especially, like, this is definitely, like, a movie trope, like, when someone out, cheats on their wife or something like that, come home, and then they're extra lovey-dovey to make up for that. So, that's kind of where I um, fall. And I would say, just one, let's talk, like, we've got, we can talk, like, five minutes about the song Let Me Down Easy. And when you look at the lyrics... I would just posit that maybe it's not just as necessarily about um, a woman or a man, but it's about addiction and drugs. So that, because I just feel like the lyrics are very, um, um, it's, you know, I've got you under my skin. Why do you make it so hard? Don't leave me broken and free. Why don't you tell me who, where you are? Those are those can be about a woman, but they also could be about you know um, they could be about drugs. And I think like um, I always, I was thinking about it in the sense of the song. I've been hearing this song a lot lately. Um, the Depeche Mode. I'm taking a ride with my best friend, which was our class song. <laughs> class of '89. What? What? I won't reveal which where we went to school, but which is. Cl- about drugs. Never let me down again. Yes. Never which let me go clearly, down. Yes. Which was clearly about clearly. drugs. And none of the teachers got the fact that that was clearly about drugs. I'm Get taking a ride with my best friend. Okay. I'm Excellent. It's talking about friends. That. Yeah. Never let me down again. I always think of it from the source. But anyway, I just think that there's some stuff here that it's. Um, it's a lot, I think it's, there's a lot more, it's more than just a don't, uh, a love, like not a love song, but a song between lovers. And it's a song about, um, and, and, and appropriately for these two people, you know. Yeah. No, I think, so. I think that's, 
an, an astute and valid observation. And then the closing credits were is a song called um, After Eight by a, a German band called Noi. And my husband recognized this band. And they were a kind of a German, um, just a German rock band in the 70s. And he was really surprised because he thought they sounded really punk. And he they kind of changed their sound later. So another interesting choice. So, and we'll have to do a little bit more deep dive into um, a lot of the music because um, there were some other... There are some other interesting songs because I forgot about them there whenever um, Karen and um, Graham are having sex. It's the They start playing I Write the Songs. <laughs> <laughs> so good, so good. So any All other right. closing so, thoughts that you hadn't thought, anything else that you hadn't thought of? Or? Closing thoughts? Um, you know, here's the crazy thing is as we watch this and we go, you know, the, the series is finished. Um, you know, and we've watched all the episodes, but like, I, where were you watching them to kind of get some talking points and things together? And like, I'm trying to remember like what, what the next episode is. I can't remember. So it's good because I get to see it again, like kind of with fresh eyes. I do have to, I do have to tell you about a funny TikTok that I saw. And if I can find it again, I will send it to you. And so it's this girl who is obviously Gen Z, um, who is criticizing the fashion of um, the movie and saying it was not legitimate 70s clothing like they're not dressed right and I was like and so of course I had to go in there and comment and I was like as someone who was actually alive during that time period the clothes were very spot on now are we seeing leisure suits no we're not seeing leisure suits because this vibe of people did not wear leisure suits what was she saying She had some really hideous looking catalog stuff that I'm like, no, that, yes, you would have seen, you would have seen the high school cheerleader wearing that outfit, that double knit pantsuit. But of that, of that time period, I was like, girl, child, you're old. I'm old enough to be your mama. Sit down. Go go watch the midnight specials. Watch Linda Ronstadt. They're they're not wearing leisure suits. Yeah, and and I I made that comment, and there were several other people that made a very similar comment of That's as funny. someone as a member of the Gen X Council who was actually alive during that time period. You're wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. Sit down. Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, but here but here we are. We're closing out this episode. Thanks for being here with us. And um, again, you can watch us on YouTube at Nobody's Muses. You can email us at Nobody's Muses at Gmail. We are on Instagram at nobody's muses um we appreciate the follows if you could give us a subscribe and a like and share it with your friends um we'd love to have everybody else join us and catch up and continue on um this journey with us as we dive into everything daisy jones and the six yes all right awesome That's it. Bye. okay bye